If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Beyond the Paper Gown, hosted by Dr. Mitzi Krakover, helps people think critically about women's health issues, encouraging them to question and explore the complexities of healthcare systems, scientific advancements, and societal norms. There's a really cool episode that you should check out called Midday Menopause App. And that's about how AI and sensor technology can provide personalized interventions to manage menopause symptoms effectively. Check out Beyond the Paper Gown on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Nurse Wellness Podcast, empowering nurses to manage stressors so they can intentionally reconnect with their purpose, optimize their wellness, and ultimately show up in the world the way they want to be seen. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Wendy Garvin-Mayo, your stress solution strategist. In this podcast, you'll receive actionable stress management tips, insightful interviews, and strategies that focus on inspiring you to be your best, do your best, and give your best. With that, let's get started. Welcome to the Nurse Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Wendy Garvin-Mayo, and I have my co-pilot here with me, Michelle Renee. Um, And today we are going to talk about mental health and racism in nursing. This is a continuation from an episode I did a couple of weeks ago uh, asking the question, does racism still exist in nursing? So uh, I'm excited to hear Michelle's point of view. Um, And then really how, you know, racism in nursing or any type of bias or um, what's the word I'm looking for? Discrimination, you know, can be a source of stress that leads to mental health. So, Michelle, uh, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners who they should know you because you've been here so many times, but introduce yourself to uh, to our listeners. Hi, I'm Michelle Renee. I am a acute care nurse practitioner, um, and I also am the owner of Graceful Power Yoga and Wellness. I am a fertility and women's health coach. And she also, well, she kind of said it, but she is a master uh, yoga, yogi, right? I guess you call yourself yogis, Mm -hmm. and breathwork specialist. And uh, she actually joined uh, the Stress Blueprint. So she is my partner in crime in terms of helping uh, the Stress Blueprint clients with yoga and breathwork, because those are two evidence-based practices that help reduce stress. But we'll talk about that in another episode. <laughs> in this episode, we do want to get down to the topics of mental health and racism in nursing. So Michelle, uh, did you happen to see the survey results from the American Nurses Association talking about racism in nursing? And if you did, what are your thoughts around it? I did. So I was just reading through um, the survey before I came on and um, a couple of things hit me. I always knew that um, the numbers of BIPOC nurses were low. I just didn't realize how low they were um, when compared to Um, the number of white nurses in the profession. Um, So that was one thing that um, was eye-opening for me. Uh, I think another thing that I like really had to ask myself and 
kind of looking back over my nursing career, um, how much bias there is, right? How much bias showed up for me, how much I took it and kept going because that's the norm, right? That's what's expected. Um, and then I recently had a conversation with somebody about um, how much you have to prove yourself that you're worthy to be at the table. And, you know, I've been at this, I've been in the medical field since 1999, but I've been in the nursing profession since 2005 and just doing so much to show your worth, right? Always going that extra mile. And then wondering why am I so stressed and looking back and thinking about all the things that you did to prove you're worthy to be at the table um, when others don't, they can't relate. They can't relate to that. So that that's, you know, a little self-reflection for me going through the survey. Yeah. And I think being a black, well, being a nurse in general is stressful because I remember nursing school, nursing school is so stressful. And in retrospect, I think about we didn't have anything talking about stress management. We didn't have anything talking about self-care. And everyone knew that we were stressed out as nursing students. So it's kind of like a norm. And then you are launched out into the, the field and being a Black nurse, it's different. It, uh, at least it, it felt different for me. Like you said, we have to prove ourselves we're at the table. And, you know, one thing the survey pointed out is that racism came from not only leaders, but you know, patients and, you know, coworkers. So you're getting it, you know, from um, d different areas. And one example I used was a patient and I had an encounter where they called me the N-word and I really didn't know how I felt about it. Even now that I'm talking to you, I still don't know how I feel, feel about it. Cause I was like so shocked. I never had anyone ever talk to me like that. Um, and really going in with the intention of wanting to care for this person. And what really was the kicker is, uh, you know, the leader, the, the person who was in charge was kind of like, oh, the patient's a psych patient. Like, that was an excuse. But it was such a missed opportunity because even to this day, now that was years ago, it still in, impacts me in some way. And I think the issue with racism and stress is that we carry it, even if it's not consciously, but subconsciously. And what is it doing to us? You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it, it's very... Um, it, it's it's troublesome because it's something that I'm sure nurses experience every day, but who's talking about it? Um, have you had any experiences in your practice with racism personally? So in doing my self-reflection, I, I can remember a patient saying to me, oh, are you, are you sure you're my nurse? Um, they can't get anyone else to be my nurse. And I just brushed it off as being like, oh, you know, he's just asking for a different nurse because maybe he thinks I'm too young. But it never occurred to me to think about he's asking for a nurse because of the color of my skin. Until my friend went in there and he was totally different with her than he was with me. And then it hit me. Oh, that's why he was asking for a different nurse earlier. Um, so there's that, right? And then there's... Um, so I work in a level one trauma center um, for most of my nursing career. And we see people, our patients are a mixed population, but primarily we live in a highly Hispanic and African-American population. And just to hear um, 
my fellow coworkers talk about patients and um, what they thought about the patient and the bed. You know, I didn't always speak up or say anything because I didn't want to be that person, but it, it hits you like, oh, they think that of that person who looks like me in the bed. So what do they think about me? What does this, you know, what are they saying behind my back? Or I've had people say to my face, you know, coworkers, well, where are you from? Well, you can't be from Springfield. You don't talk like you're from Springfield. What's that mean? Um, so yes, I've encountered, you know, all sides. Yeah, it, it's it, it's crazy. Um, and then when you do say something, it's like, oh, but not you, but not you. You know what I mean? Not you. And and I think, you know, when you were telling your story, I was thinking about courageous conversations. If we talked about, um, you know, last month having courageous conversations. So really sticking up for what's right and, you know, what's wrong. But I think as we, you know, mature in our profession, it's a little easier to have those conversations or confront those type of um, situations because you don't want to come across as confrontational. Right. But at the same time, you want to you want them to know that you're aware and it's not right. And I think that's the problem with racism, because, you know, I know they did it on racism for, for in a nurse, like nurses uh, experiencing racism. But if you can be racist to a nurse, what about the patients you're taking care of? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. we are there to, to care for human beings, black, white, purple, orange. But if you can be racist or discriminate against your coworker or the people you're leading, what about the public you're taking care of? Mm-hmm. Now that's worrisome, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it definitely becomes a problem. And something else that um, the survey pointed out, it was they showed a graph of how many, I hope I'm getting this right, how many uh, Black students go to school for nursing and then they had another bar graph on the side of how many graduate and it was Mm -hmm. less than half now what is that about Mm -hmm. what is that about now that's something that definitely needs to be unpacked Mm -hmm. because if you have all these minority nurses going to nursing school and less than half of them graduating what is that about and then right. you talk to minority nurses who've been who made it through the programs, right? Like mm-hmm. me, like personally, I had experiences in nursing school that were not pleasant, where I actually had to go and have courageous conversations to stick up for myself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's things being said in class, um, I know other you know nursing students who came in and didn't pass, and you know had to go advocate for themselves and you know, a a number of things, a number of things. So I I think it's something that, you know, we need to look at. Um, And I always just say, you know, we're in America, America, you know, we have a history here. (laughs) That's why we're having this conversation. We have a history. But, um, and another thing I found surprising is, you know, I asked people, are their employers talking about the survey results? And a lot of people are saying, no, they came up and no one's really talking about them. So I think two things, right? Because I, before this, I think yesterday or the day before, I said, oh, let me go online and look up um, studies of um, racism within nursing. So 
not racism geared towards patients, racisms between fellow nurses. There's, there's not much out there. So the conversation isn't being had and the conversation isn't started, right? So nobody's looking into this because this hasn't popped to the top, like it's popping to the top right now, is number one. And number two, I think people are scared to start the conversation. Because if you look at top management, right, across large places, large facilities, we aren't represented there. And so how do you start the conversation without representation? Because you don't have anywhere, you don't have a reference point, you don't. And even if you say that you learned, how did you learn when you clearly haven't implemented it so that it looks, it your top people look like the people who are under you? Absolutely. And right now, you know, in my full-time job, I do cancer research and we're talking about increasing minorities in our clinical trials, but it really starts with the company, right? So the company Mm -hmm. really has to have that. You have to have diversity at home first. And like what you're saying, you know, at the top. So if we're talking about racism in nursing and, you know, all your nursing leadership individuals are Caucasian, then what are we talking about? What are we doing? But I do think it's something that has to be talked about and maybe a spotlight needs to be shined on that to, to say, we, we noticed this, what are we doing about it since we're talking about diversity? Because, you know, since everything happened with like the George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, it's been magnified. Everybody wants, you know, they want a DEI officer. They, they want DEI, you know, webinars and lunch and learns and, and this and that. And I think this is an opportunity for us to start having those courageous conversations around diversity, equity, and inclusion, mm-hmm. you know, holding our leaders uh, accountable, really. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's really accountability to what are we doing? Because you, you do have minority nurses, not just black nurses, but nurses of, of all ethnic backgrounds. Right. Um, what are you doing to make sure everyone's uh, represented? Right. So it's that you mentioned that everyone's doing this, um, diversity and inclusion training. So I recently got a little hot under the collar because um, one organization that I work for, I will leave the name out, um, made a big push that every top management, right, should go to this diversity and inclusion training. And I was like, now, do you want to talk about diversity and inclusion? Like, and pushing, like, you got to go. If you don't go, it's going to be mandatory. So you might as well go now. And I was like, this sounds like they're just want to check the box. Right? I was angry. Like, now you want to make sure that I go to this training that I've been dealing with for my whole life. Right? You didn't want to hear about this before, but now it's a big thing. And now we have to check a box. What's going to change? Is our culture going to change? And my friend pointed out to me very kindly that, yes, we're having the conversations, right? We know that this needs to be changed. And by pushing someone, maybe it will help them to realize that they need to change. And we can hope, we can only hope that people aren't going to check a box. Because some people won't go if you don't force them, which is sad, but true. Yes, I think that is very true. A lot of organizations, uh, you know, Fortune 500 companies, 
universities, colleges, mom and pops are, are all doing diversity, equity, and inclusion. But, you know, I always say, yeah, you can do, you can check the box, but for me, how are you going to make it sustainable mm-hmm. throughout the year? Not, not just an annual training. How are you going to make mm-hmm. it sustainable? Um, what are your thoughts on sustainability of these programs? What can some institutions do to make it sustainable? So I think the conversation needs to keep going, right? We can't have this one-time training where um, we have this conversation, we make this presentation, and then we leave it without continuing the conversation. And these conversations are hard. So maybe you need a moderator or maybe you need uh, a facilitator to have these hard conversations, but, but it's visited so that people like me who are like, okay, now you're gonna do this demand of me, this one-time annual training, but it stops here and it doesn't continue. So that we feel seen, heard, and understood, you know? Yeah, that's so true. Cause I've been approached to do a DE and I, you know, presentation. I was like, so what's happening next? Cause this is not a one and done thing. So mm-hmm. if you're gonna hire me to do a presentation, we need to open it up to, I need to come back. You know, that has to be part of the deal. This one and done that does not work. Or we need to do a program, a quarterly something, but it has to be sustainable. And I think also for us who are doing the E&I work, because they do look for minorities to do the presentations, right? But it's also, you know, saying to companies that, you know, it's not a one and done. How are we going to make it sustainable? So if you want to hire me for just a webinar, I need to come back and do something else. So I think, we hold um, some responsibility there too, where we can hold them accountable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? So I think not only holding them accountable, but also giving them ideas. Like for me, um, just thinking in uh, the population of people that I work with and the population of people that I serve, right? You have certain tools and education that maybe I didn't get. So having like a wellness program where we talk about finances or we talk about how to make or help people be more successful. Maybe we talk about how to do uh, get the next level in their job. Maybe we help them with their resumes, maybe, but helping to empower them so that by doing this, right, by creating these relationships, because I can come and talk at you but if I don't form a relationship with you and get to know you and help build you up, what's the purpose of me talking at? Yes, definitely. All right, Michelle. Well, this was a great conversation. We'll wrap it up here. Thank you so much. And I'm sure you'll be back soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. Between episodes, you can follow the Nurse Wellness Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Before you go, I would love to share a free mindfulness ebook with you. Go to stressblueprint.com backslash 35 and download your free copy. Until next time, go out and be your best, do your best, and give your best. If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Beyond the Paper Gown hosted by Dr. Mitzi Krakover, helps people think critically about women's health issues, encouraging them to question and explore the complexities of healthcare systems, scientific advancements, and societal norms. There's a really cool episode that you should check out called 
Midday Menopause app. And that's about how AI and sensor technology can provide personalized interventions to manage menopause symptoms effectively. Check out Beyond the Paper Gown on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.